Welcome to F1 Coffee Corner, Full Beans. I'm your host as always, Terry, and I'm here to keep you up to date with all of the unbiased, hard-hitting Formula 1 news. So grab your favourite mug of coffee, sit down, strap in and get yourself comfortable to join in the conversation. Because this is F1 Coffee Corner. This is Full Beans, the must-have podcast for all Formula 1 fans. Welcome back to F1 Coffee Corner, Full Beans the podcast. I'm your host as always, Terry, and there's only one topic we can talk about this week. There's been one piece of news that's been dominating the headlines and has blown silly season into 2024. And that is, of course, Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. So many podcasts may have already covered this. I'm late to the party, but you know what? Grab yourself a coffee, sit down, strap in, and let's get into F1 Coffee Corner, Full Beans of Podcast. The Lewis Hamilton edition. Like I said, I fought long and hard about when to record this podcast, if I'm honest. Um, with the news obviously breaking on last Thursday of Lewis Hamilton joining Ferrari. Now, for those who may be, I don't know, living under a rock for the past week or have no inkling of what's been going on, last Thursday, Lewis Hamilton announced his decision to not use his second year on his contract. So what this boils down to is when Lewis Hamilton signed a contract last August, I said at the time that I had a big suspicion it was a one-year plus one-year deal, which was a multi-year deal that was announced. Now, in this deal, at the end of the first year, you've got the option to basically break break out the contracts and go and do something else. That option was put in by both parties. It seems that this was absolutely the case, that Lewis had this in his contract. Now, from what Toto is saying, it was a mutual clause put in that Mercedes had the same option and Lewis has exercised it early. So he's gone now with it rather than waiting until the end of the year. But as it happens, Lewis Hamilton has given formal notice that he will not be seeing out his contract with Mercedes and has indeed signed for Ferrari for 2025. It still sounds weird saying it. I'm not going to lie. Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari. I mean, if you're talking about decisions and news stories this absolutely blew out formula one it blew out social media multi sort of you know platforms in terms of you know what it reached there was just people just reporting it who are not formula one fans as such or certainly not avid formula one fans i would say it's wrong to say they're not formula one fans of course but people who normally don't have an interest or post about formula one we're literally messaging and posting about Lewis Hamilton. That's how big his reach is. That's how much of an important move this could actually be for a sport that, quite frankly, needed a shot in the arm. We will talk about convenient timing with the Andressi announcement the day before. Um, conspiracy theorists are out there doing their work. That it got leaked because of yeah the fact that Formula One management had said no to Andressi and they needed some good news. Uh, the one thing I will say, there are some facts which I can give you the facts and then you can take that away and kind of do what you want with, with those facts. Fact of the matter is, this story started coming out late Wednesday about some big news dropping. We didn't have any inkling to what that big news was. Then we started seeing the gathering of Lewis Hamilton leaving Mercedes to Ferrari. Now, we've seen this before. We saw this at the time in the last contract extension. If you've been following Formula 1, it's not a new thing to hear rumours about Lewis Hamilton going at all, far from it. Um, in fact, yeah, many of us joked about it going, oh, here we go again, Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari. Just what 
just what Andressi, you know, just what the Andressi news needed, isn't it? You know, and then I'm going to say by sort of early morning on the Thursday, it kind of got a bit real. Um, and the reason behind that was there was a lot of a lot of messages going around, and there was a lot of misinformation going around. But there was also a lot of information that actually backs up this theory that something might be going on. Um, and as a creator, you get messages and you get news, you get other outlets sort of reporting. So if you follow respective people, you you kind of learn which people are normally really good in terms of their source of knowledge and being truthful in that front. Um, it's something I like to think that I do very well. When I break news, I, I tend to only have people in the circle I trust, which I know is concrete before I post it. And I'm very cautious about spreading misinformation. And I, I think it's really bad for the sport. So I try to keep things factual. And I know sometimes that might go against me in terms of, you know, gathering, I suppose, bigger audiences, views, et cetera, et cetera. However, I like the fact that when I report news, it's news. It's something I pride myself on. And for, for me, that's my integrity. That's my, my thing. So I got a message amongst, well, lots of messages, if I'm honest, on Thursday morning that something was going on. And then we found out that Toto was, well, we thought originally was going to Brackley. It turned out he was addressing staff in Brackley. But either way, we got hold of the news information that Toto was addressing the staff in Brackley at 2 p.m. Um, now, that in itself is unusual, especially with a car launch not so far away. That kind of lends itself so there's some big news going on here that affects everybody. Mercedes were definitely caught on the hop. You can tell that from the communication they released. The fact they waited until later on that evening, 7pm, before they confirmed everything, tells you that there was no sort of inkling that this news was going to get out. There may have been news that this was coming on the fact of, you know, Toto's interview, etc., etc. But the fact that Toto didn't make his press conference until the day after, on the Friday, the fact that we got no comments from Mercedes until 7pm on the Thursday, the fact that Ferrari didn't produce anything either tells you all you need to know. Now, when Sky Sports started breaking it, they were pretty pretty certain, I'd say, when they went about lunchtime with it. Um, and obviously send um, Rich Brooks uh, standing outside Brackley, I think it was, um, doing, the, doing the news story on that one. So it's they were pretty sure. They, they were pretty sure. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have broken it like they did. So I think once that came out, it was kind of safe to, to assume that the news was was what what we what we had heard was that Lewis Hamilton was going to Ferrari. Now, when the dust has settled on this, and you kind of take a step back, and I think that's why I waited to do this podcast. I wanted to take a step back. I wanted to look at the whole picture and go, okay, why has this happened? Because this is the biggest announcement since probably Lewis did the same thing when he left McLaren to go to Mercedes. It's on that scale when Lewis went to Mercedes in the first place. He was kind of ridiculed over it. Yeah, many of you would have seen the Top Gear clip with Jamie Clarkson comparing it to, I think it was Manchester United to West Ham. And, uh, yeah, why is he doing it? Ultimately proved to be the best move ever in Formula 1. Uh, Lewis certainly, you know, doesn't regret moving to Mercedes. So why now? What's gone on? Well, a lot of the dust has settled on this Lewis Hamilton announcement. A lot of details have come out. Not sure how factual some of them are, because like anything in Formula One, there's some stuff where you kind of go, is that right? Is that wrong? Um, but there are some things that do make sense. So if you look at Toto's timeline of events, so 
Toto has said in his press conference that he was made aware over a sort of past couple of weeks that Lewis had been talking to Ferrari, that talks had been taking place. Also, he was led, led to believe. He had a long-standing scheduled appointment at his home in Oxford over coffee, which is apparently something that they do every year once Lewis returns to the factory after his winter break. It's something that Toto has always done, Lewis has always attended. It's a long-standing agreement that they literally sit down, have coffee, discuss obviously the season coming up, discuss what's going on. Lewis then goes into the factory to do seat fits, um, simulator work, all of that before the car launch. That's literally always been there from, from what Toto was saying. And it makes perfect sense to do that. You know, Lewis, I think, is his own person during his winter break. I think Toto very much respects that and gives him the time off to kind of do what he wants to do and recharge how he, how he sees fit. Probably just checking in on him every so often, but not really talking business. I think that they, they allow Lewis that freedom. So obviously he had that long standing arrangement in place that Lewis was coming for coffee. So he decided to wait before he had that conversation with Lewis. He says he had that conversation. He said it lasted about an hour. Um, at no point did he, did he try to dissuade Lewis to, to leave. He understood his reasons behind it and respects his decision. And that's pretty much, you know, the timeline events that we've got it. I would suggest that Toto has known about this beforehand because when you say that he only found out officially on the Wednesday, I get that, but I think he would have had rumblings that this, this is going on. If he's already heard that Lewis is talking to Ferrari, there would have been conversations being had. And I lose this in this video. If you look at the facts behind, we've got Monster Energy Drink pulling their sponsorship from Mercedes, but keeping Lewis. We've got all sorts of details coming out since then when you go, actually, you know, Tommy Hilfiger signing Georgia. So was there a doubt over this? Was this, you know, Tommy Hilfiger protecting their, their investment in Mercedes? There, there is, there is an element of Zach Brown tying down contracts with Lando, even Ferrari tying down Charles Leclerc. There is an element of people seem to know that this was happening. Now, Toto is a well connected guy. We all know that. So if Lewis is having conversations with Ferrari, and the one thing I will say is these contract talks must have been going on for a number of weeks. They can't have been, you know, Lewis waking up last week going, oh, I'm going to go to Ferrari. There was so much to negotiate in this that his advisors must have been talking to Ferrari for quite a long time before this contract was presented in a way that Lewis thought, actually, that's a really good deal. I'm going to go for it. So there must have been that going on. Now, people in Formula One world are connected. They're all interconnected. There is no doubt in my mind that Toto got, got wind of this. Whether or not he chose to do nothing with it is entirely sort of the, the unknown part. The one thing I will say, it doesn't seem to be a reflection on the W15 because Lewis hadn't even been in the simulator for the W15. So a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the fake stories we saw was that Lewis had driven the W15 in the simulator and kind of gone, this car's a load of crap on, on going. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. He hadn't even been in the simulator when he made this decision. So that doesn't stack up with the W15 performance. My honest take on it, I think that it's a parting of the ways that's naturally come about. And I think there's a lot of factors in this. Um, some of this, I'm just guessing at. Some of it you kind of look at and go, yep. Yeah. So if we look at Lewis's contract, Lewis had talked about this ambassador role. He had talked about this finishing his career with Mercedes, this I'm going to be going all the way through my career with Mercedes-powered engines. I'm going to finish my career with Mercedes, and that's going to be it. I would have only ever driven Mercedes engines. Then when I finish, I'm going to take this ambassador role. 
take my project to, you know, Mission 44 and all those other projects he's got with equality going on and take it forward into a bigger, wider picture of this ambassador role for Mercedes. We're hearing that last contract talks, the Mercedes board, so the Daimler board, so not Toto, um, certainly not, you know, the other owners, you know, the Ineos owner, Jim Radcliffe, had a, had a moment there, I can't remember his name. They seemed that they wanted Lewis to stay on in this ambassador role. However, the Daimler board said no. Now, even though the Daimler board only own 33% of Mercedes Formula 1 team, they are the money guys. They are the ones who are going to commit to it financially. And they, they, from what we're gathering, said no. And that's why we got into this two-year contract. Now, if that's happened, which is most likely it has happened, that is what allowed Lewis then to insert this clause into his contract. So if I'm a betting person, when Lewis negotiated his contract, he wanted a break point in there to say, actually then, you know, if I'm not good enough for this ambassador role, or you're not going to give me, I want a break point in my contract. Mercedes, knowing that they needed to re-sign Lewis, probably found it very hard to say no. Obviously put the same back in, saying, well, that's okay, but we want it in that we can say no. Realistically, can we see that happening? But it feels to me as if this push towards retirement that Mercedes may have been trying in terms of a shorter contract, getting loose to retire, and then giving this ambassador role, has actually pushed him into the arms of Ferrari, ironically, because what it looks like is that John Alkin, the Ferrari chairman, has got wind of this and has gone all in. He's ultimately cashing his chips and gone, I've got a chance to get Lewis Hamilton. Now, if you're a Formula One team principal, if you're a Formula One team owner, if you're someone like John Alkin, you do not pass up the opportunity to get Lewis Hamilton. Now, there's a lot of people out there going, he has a one for two years, he's passed his prime. Irrespective, Lewis Hamilton is an absolute blank check for any team. We've seen that with Mercedes. Mercedes went from this team to this billion-dollar team on the back of Lewis winning championships, but also on the back of Lewis Hamilton. Make no mistakes about that. His marketing ability and the ability to cast your marketing, you know, and base it around having Lewis Hamilton has no doubt been a massive contribution to the Mercedes financial success. And anyone who, who doubts that is just talking rubbish. It's a partnership that went hand in hand. It's a partnership that had mutual benefits to both and made both parties a lot of money. Now, John Alkin is seen the opportunity and it looks like he's gone all in. So what we're hearing is we're hearing 80 million euros a year. A year. Originally, I kind of thought that's got to be over two years. No, it's over one year, apparently. 80 million euros a year and then a 20 million euro bonus. And at the end of his two-year contract, so it looks like he's got a two-year plus a one-year option. At the end of it, a 150 million euro fund set up for his projects. And this ambassador role that Mercedes wouldn't give him, that Ferrari are willing to give him. I mean, wow. Just, just wow. Just take a moment to let that sink in, the sort of money that Lewis Hamilton has commanded. Max, 50 million euros a year. Absolutely, you know, top of the grid before this contract happened. And this contract has just blown out the water. Now, there will be a lot of people saying it's overpaid. And I'm not disagreeing. It is a lot of money. But Ferrari knew that this was their last chance to get Lewis Hamilton. They knew that after this point, they had no opportunity. It was this or nothing. And John Alkin, he put everything on red. He went all in and said, look, this is what I got for you. This is what I'm going to bring for you. This is what you bring to the party. 
And you know, this is what you're going to get if you come and join us. And Lewis has looked at the Mercedes development over the past couple of years. He's seen a car that's probably got better. And I think the biggest issue is, have Mercedes built a championship winning car? The answer, I think, is no. I don't think you can build a championship winning car in this regulations. I think you can build a car that can catch up with Red Bull um, over certain traps. I think you can build a car that can challenge for race wins. Um, I absolutely firmly believe that. But I don't think that you can build a championship winning car up to the level that's going to win your world championship. And I think that's Lewis's problem. He's seen this car and gone, I ain't going to win a world championship. I need to do something different because ultimately, if this stands this way, I'm not going to be able to do it. Now, do I think that Ferrari in any more better position than Mercedes to win in 2026? Yeah, or even 2025 when Lewis goes over? Possibly not. But I think on paper, over one lap, I think Ferrari have a faster car than Mercedes. I think they struggle with their tire degradation, as we said before. I think they struggle with certain aspects of the upgrades and certain strategy. But I think ultimately, they have got a car that's fundamentally faster than the Mercedes, certainly over one lap. And if they can harness that race pace, or if Lewis can harness that race pace, then actually you might just have a winning combination. And it is a winning combination. The most iconic driver in Formula One with the most iconic team in Formula One. It goes back to the Schumacher-Ferrari days. It goes back to that partnership. It is a marketing dream. And Lewis Hamilton will repay 80 million euros or 100 million euros a year within six months of him joining. He will, he will pay that back and tenfold. The amount of money that they'll be able to command from their sponsors, from their spin-offs to doing stuff, from collaborations, he will easily, from merchandise, he will easily repay that, that money back. So, from Ferrari's point of view, it's a check that you're just loaning to the Formula 1 team because ultimately you're going to get it back. You've only got to release a Ferrari special edition Lewis Hamilton one and you're going to make money back. So I don't think for any minute it's a financial risk for Ferrari. Far from it. I think it's a financial certainty. I think they've got a driver who's got something to prove. I think Lewis is, is he wants number eight. I think that's the reason we've got Lewis in Formula 1 at the moment. So I think after 2021, and yeah, maybe this is going back to it a bit. Maybe he felt a bit let down by the fact that Mercedes didn't pursue it in the courts. Maybe Lewis felt that they should have gone down a legal route. There are things that he doesn't talk about, so we don't know. We can only speculate. It's a fair assumption that the relationship between Mercedes and Lewis has been slowly deteriorating after Abu Dhabi 2021. And there must be reasons beyond that, whether that be keepers now leaving, like James Dowles, a turnover, James Allison going to do the US boat project. All of these things, you know, we, we've seen people leaving Mercedes or about to leave Mercedes. And maybe Lewis has gone, actually, that championship winning team that's been built around me almost isn't going to be there anymore. So I now need to think, what do I do for my future? And he's following the people, following the development. And he doesn't feel in a position where Mercedes can give him that championship winning car, but feels that a change to Ferrari might just do that for him, might just reinvigorate him. And it's like anything, isn't it? If you go into the same place of work every single day and you do the same job every single day, now I'm not suggesting for one minute Lewis Hamilton's bored, but sometimes you need to change. Sometimes you need to go, actually, I'm going to make that change. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that challenges me. I'm going to do something that takes me out of my comfort zone. And maybe at the age that Lewis has had, He's need to do that. Maybe that's his kind of thing where he's gone, 
I need to go and do something because I can't win what I want to win here. I don't believe I've got enough time to wait for Mercedes to catch up with their development. So therefore, I'm going to do it this way. So I think the opportunity to go to Ferrari, the opportunity to go and do something, to get that record number eight in the book for Lewis is just too good an opportunity to miss, as well as you know, protect his brand and his projects by giving him a platform as well as a monetary value in terms of the deal he's got with John Alkin. Now, in terms of replacements, this is where it gets a little bit difficult for Mercedes because that ultimately depends on what they want to do. And they have a lot of options open to them. It is a market that, you know, Mercedes may not have wanted to be in, but are now the key player in. There's not a lot of drivers who are going to be saying no to taking a phone call from Toto and accepting that second Mercedes seat. And your options are, do you go with Fernando Alonso, a decorated world champion, somebody who you can turn around and you can say, actually, he's a big name. He's got a good relationship with George Russell. He's someone who can deliver results. He's someone who would suit you for the next couple of years in terms of getting a driver in there alongside George, which would allow you to develop other drivers or even wait for the drivers to be out of contract. So someone like Oscar, someone like Lando waiting for Kimi Antoloni, who will come on to in a minute. You know, Fernando gives you that option as a stopgap. And he's certainly not a bad stopgap to, to have, is he, Fernando Alonso? Let's be honest about it. Then you look at the options such as someone like Alex Albon. James Rouse announced yesterday he signed until the end of 2025, but interestingly left the door open for him to move elsewhere by saying nothing's fine in Formula 1 and actually things could happen, but we have got him signed up until the end. That's easy done. Mercedes are Williams' engine supplier, same as Aston Martin's engine supplier. They can put leverage that way in terms of, you know, their relationship with them. Williams are continuing with Mercedes, obviously, through 2026 with the new regulations. So that relationship needs to continue. The Williams board would not want to upset Toto or Mercedes if they were coming for Alex Albon. We saw the same thing happen with Valtteri Bottas years ago. That was used as, as, a, as a negotiating arm. The fact that they supplied their engine, it's the way Formula One works. So Alex Albon to Mercedes, even with a contract, is not out of the question. Gets on with George Russell, deserves to drive in a better team, would allow then Williams to do something a bit different. So maybe someone like Kimi Antoloni bringing him in on loan in very much the same way as George Russell did um, all those years ago now. So that creates a few different options. Um, maybe even giving Mick Schumacher to Williams is another option. There's, there's options for Williams and Mercedes to collaborate to get a, get Alex Alvin to Mercedes. Of course, Mercedes could just promote straight away with, with Kimi Antoloni or Frederick Vesti. They've got those two youngsters on their, on their junior books. They could just turn around and say, actually, we're going to put one of them, drop them in. George Russell's the leader. George Russell's the number one driver. Let's get him in, see what they can do. Red Bull did it with Max, and look where it got him. Mercedes are probably in a very similar situation to what Red Bull were, where Max got promoted up. They can compete for race wins, potentially, but not a championship. Part of the rebuilding structure. Look how well it did for Red Bull. They built that team around Max, and they're absolutely reaping the dividends of doing that now. So is it time that Mercedes adopt that philosophy and go, actually, we've got George Russell, really good driver. Um, he signs... Let's keep him there, but actually bring a youngster in and let's start moulding that team around one of these youngsters. Yeah. Kimi Antoloni is winning everywhere where he goes and 
you can't say he's too young for Formula One when we've just seen Max and what Max does. Yes, that youngness creates problems in terms of, you know, potentially crashes, potentially mishaps, but it also creates excitement when you get a young driver who has no fear, who has no no reservations, who has, you know, nothing to lose and everything to prove. It actually can be quite invigorating to see. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton as a rookie was the same. Max as a rookie was the same. When these young drivers came through and they're given the car that they can, you know, showcase their skills on, ultimately they can just go out and go all in on it, which isn't a bad thing for Mercedes. Yeah, if you're not winning championships, why not why not risk it? You've also got the option to play safe and go, you know, back to someone like Valtteri Bottas to play a wingman for George. I know they've had, you know, um, they've had incidents in the past where it might be a bit of a you know fraught relationship, but you've got that ties obviously you know close to the Mercedes, obviously with Stake F1 turning into Audi, there's doubt over Valtteri's future, so it would be a good time to bring him in, especially when you've got Carlos Sainz who can replace him. In. Carlos Sainz is of course a replacement potential for Mercedes. Could they literally do a swap? Is that out of the question? Not at all, especially on a short term contract. You know, Carlos is going to be needing a drive. Um, we know Toto in the past has favoured one-year contracts. We saw him do Valtteri on a role in one-year contract. There's absolutely no reason why Toto couldn't go stock up and say, I'm going to take Carlos for 12 months. We know he's got interest in, in Audi in 2026, but do you know what? Let's put him in the Mercedes, see what he can do. Um, you could, of course, bring Mick Schumacher back in, outside there, not being talked of in mainstream media as a replacement, which is ironic considering the Schumacher name, the fact he's on Mercedes books already, would be a replacement in terms of already has experience with George's number one driver. Could Mick Schumacher actually slot into that second driver role and learn from George? Is that a, a fail safe? As well as cashing in on the Schumacher name. Um, it's a name that if you're losing Lewis Hamilton, having Schumacher back on your books from a marketing point of view might not be a bad move and certainly one which originally I counted out, but actually more I can think of it could happen. You've also got Espan Ocon at Alpine and Pierre Gasly at Alpine. Both drivers who could come in and do a job. Um, Esteban Ocon, obviously, you got deep Mercedes toys from his time as a reserve, deep Toto toys. It's not out of the question to think that Toto couldn't pull that move and bring someone like Esteban across to partner George. That, again, in itself, on a, on a one-year, two-year deal, wouldn't be, wouldn't be out of the world while you're waiting for Kimmy to go learn his trade elsewhere. So you can see, it really is a market that Mercedes can afford to play the waiting game in, depending on also what they want to do. They can afford to sit there and go, actually, we know we've got George Russell. George isn't on anybody's books to be poached, let's be honest about it. And I don't mean that yeah, in a defamatory way against George, but there's no one talking about replacing George. There's no seats he would go. So it's fairly safe to say George is going to stay locked in until the end of 2025 anyway. So it gives you the option to go out and, and do what you want to do in that role, which is probably a luxury Mercedes find themselves in. And in a way, it's probably good that Lewis resigned now rather than wait until the end of the season when City season had been dusted. And maybe that's where there's a bit of mutual respect there where Lewis has gone, actually, I could have sat on it and waited. But you know what? I'm going to do the right thing in telling Toto that I'm going. So it gives them time to prepare, time to get a replacement, time to do what they need to do to make sure that life after Lewis carries on. What does life in 2024 look like? Um, I think for Lewis, it looks very isolated. I think he's going to cut an isolated figure. Um, obviously not going to be part of any u- upgrade development chats. Should get the upgrades at the same time. If Mercedes, you know, p- 
do what they normally do. They don't like to bring upgrades to one car, not the other. So I don't see that happening, but you don't know. Um, strange things happen in Formula One. I think he will feel isolated. I think the bigger question that Mercedes are probably asking now is who does Lewis take with him? Because their backroom team, you know, like Bono, you've got a strategist. All these people might now be tempted to, you know, fly the nest and go and try something new with Ferrari. And I think that's probably Toto's bigger worry at the moment is actually who's Lewis going to take with him? Because they've lost a load of good people in the cost cap. They've lost a hell of a lot of good people. And I think Toto's going to be more concerned about that. Yeah, we know that they're talking to Bono about whether or not Bono wants to go. And what I will say is for the engineers and strategists, it's a very different relationship they have than the drivers who the drivers dip in and out of the factory. The strategists and everyone who works for the team, that factory is their bread and butter. You know, a lot of them have been there for many years. People like Bono have been there since the, the Honda, I think, Braun, certainly the Braun days, for, from what I can remember. So there's a long-standing relationship with the team and the area, and they've got ties with the area. They've got family ties to the area. So it's not as easy as packing up and going off to what it might be for a driver. So I don't think it's as clear-cut as the driver's gone, so I'm going to follow. But then also you might have Ferrari deciding to chip money at it, saying, actually, if you come to us, this is what we've got for you. This is the package we've got. This is how much we're going to pay you. It's more than what you want. What do you think? So it's exciting times to be in Formula 1. It's certainly given us a shock we needed. Um, it's certainly given us a sort of passion back to Formula 1 after last year's silly season. It means that this year is potentially going to be an absolute monumental silly season. I still believe that. I think that I still think that Fernando and Checo hold the two keys for this now that Carlos is obviously gone. So I think Fernando's seat and Checo's seat and his vacant Mercedes seat are your key roles on this one. You know, what happens after this, I think we'll decide what happens to the rest of the market. I also think that we're going to be seeing some driver lineups wait until the end of the season before they're actually finalised as well, which is going to be a big difference on last year. I don't think some of these teams are going to be in a, in a rush to finalise their drivers, knowing it's the driver's mark out there. Other news in Formula 1, Christian Horner, obviously, and his investigation. What I will say, and this is what I said in my video, so Christian Horner is at the moment under investigation for alleged inappropriate behaviour. That's all we know. All we know is that you know, Red Bull GmbH have called in an independent team to investigate, so that it's someone independent from not just yeah, the Formula 1 team, but also the Red Bull team as well. So it's really important that's done. What I will say is there's been wild speculation over what that inappropriate behaviour is. That doesn't help anybody. It's not beneficial to anybody. Um, and it's not being disrespectful to any party by saying we need to wait for the facts. Now, I'm not for one minute condoning any inappropriate behaviour. But likewise, I don't feel that we should engage in fruitless speculation with no facts to side with one party or the other party for that facts. You know, there is, for me, an investigation that needs to run its course. And for me, Without the facts of what was said, what's been happened, I don't want to make a judgment on that. So that's the reason I'm not giving an opinion on it. And of course, I have an opinion on on that behaviour and, and and workforces, but also have an opinion that without the facts, it's not up to us to to formulate any sort of sequence of events what's happened. So once that investigation is completed, we know the results of that, and then will be the appropriate time to comment on it, depending on what the outcome of that investigation is. Which Red Bull have told us is ongoing. They aim to do it very swiftly. 
and that Christian Horner will remain in post while that investigation is carried out. And that is literally the facts. If you're hearing anything else, I heard four different versions of what it could be. So that gives you an idea of how wide-ranging these people are just making stuff up now for likes and shares and, and clickbait. So do be careful what you read. What I will say is wait for the official announcement from Red Bull, wait for the investigation before jumping to a conclusion, because at that point it will tell us all the details we need to know. And then is the right time to comment and formulate on it. And the FIA Commission, so they um, they yesterday announced that the changes to the sprint format. So the changes to the sprint format are we're going back to the old sprint format. Seems bonkers. So what we're going to have is Friday we'll, we'll have FP1. Friday afternoon we'll have sprint qualifying, so SQ, as they called it. I don't know if they're changing the mandatory tyre things. They've not given any details of that. And then on Saturday morning you will have the sprint race itself. Saturday afternoon will be qualifying for the race on Sunday. And then Sunday, you'll have the race as normal. Um, what this should allow to do is allow part throw main changes between the sprint race and qualifying, ready for the race on Sunday. The FIA haven't confirmed this officially yet, but that makes the most sense to what this change is. A lot of teams got caught out of it last year. Austin being the most notable one. The teams can change their setups. They then run illegal cars. They got disqualified. The team kicked, kicked off and said it was a sprint weekend. We weren't allowed to change yet. So the FIA, I think, have listened to that. Um, in terms of the points, there is no points difference. So there was talk about a separate sprint championship and some way of weighting the points differently. This announcement doesn't say anything about that whatsoever. So I think it's safe to assume the world championship part of the sprint race is going to remain as it currently is. The other bit of news is engine power unit supply is now up to four. Bit of a strange one. So last year, the engine supply was three power units. We got to April and all of the teams voted to increase that up to four power units until the end of the season. So that got ratified and sent through. Then what happened at the end of the season is, because the end of the season and that vote only carried it till then, it then automatically reverted back to three. So what the FIA have now done is now confirmed it's gone back up to four for this season, next season. So the teams aren't at any more advantages of what they were last year. It's just formalising the rules. And the final piece is around DRS. So with DRS, it's now activated after one lap of either the race start or a safety car restart. So rather than waiting a couple of laps, it's now going to be one lap, and then the DRS will kick in. And that's from the race start, so from the starting grid, and then also any subsequent safety restarts after the safety car as well. So it just means we get DRS a little bit quicker than what we did before, that's all, just after the one lap. And I think that's pretty much it for the Formula 1 news. We, we have had car liveries, I should touch on those. I'm not going to talk about car liveries in terms of what I think of them, because I'm going to do an episode after seeing them all because that makes much more sense. But we obviously saw the McLaren livery earlier. We've now seen the Haas livery. We've seen the Williams livery. Um, and we've also seen the Stake F1 livery as well, after recording this. We've got Alpine Wednesday, because this is Tuesday, as I'm recording it. And then we then go into Visa Cash App RB, which is Thursday, I believe. And then next week, we've got the rest of the teams there. So... Yeah, we're almost at the end of that. Like I say, I'm going to do a podcast at the end of it all with liveries and what I think of them all. Um, some interesting ones out there, let's put it that way. Some good sponsors for some teams, well, I will say. So William's certainly getting some, some good financial back in, which is really great to see. And that's it for this week. That's all I've got for everybody. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. It's been one-sided about Lewis Hamilton. I apologise for that, but I really wanted to get my thoughts out in a podcast after collecting them for a few days. But yeah, Lewis Hamilton, two Ferrari, 
is is the biggest huge going. It's huge. It's monumental. It's literally seismic in terms of what it's what it's done for the sport, and it's reinvigorated the sport that needed a shot in the arm. And Lewis Hamilton once again is a man to provide that. Which does beg the question: What does Formula One do when Lewis Hamilton does decide to retire? Because you know Max is an amazing driver. He's one of the greats. Deserves to be up there. But he hasn't got that marketing ability that Lewis has got, certainly not yet. So I think that, you know, Formula One will certainly be happy that Lewis Hamilton is now signed through multiple years because ultimately he's now staying with Ferrari potentially for three years, which can only be good for Formula One's point of view. So, yeah, with that in mind, I will catch you all on next week's episode. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit the follow button. I'm available on all of the social media platforms. So click on the links, go and have a look, or just search F1 Coffee Corner and you'll find me. And uh, really appreciate you doing that. If you want to drop any comments, please drop onto the video when it's on YouTube or drop onto one of my TikTok videos or Instagram videos so that I can catch up with that one. Or even check the links out. There's a message option in there. Just drop me a message either way on that one. But yeah, once more, thank you for listening to F1 Coffee Corner Full Beans the Podcast. I'll see you all next week. Have a good week.